This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. That guy on the other side, that's Tom Schreier, as always. And here we are, December 24th, Christmas Eve, talking about a one-score Vikings game, Tom. Um, Greg Joseph nails a 61-yard field goal. As time expires, Vikings win 27-24 because, of course, they win that way. Um, it, it's just – it's every week now, and, and honestly, we, we should expect it. Yeah, I was um, – so when the Vikings went up 24-16, um, someone in the press box turned to me and said, why wouldn't you go for two there? And I said, well, out of principle, the Vikings can't potentially win a game by more than one score, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like there's no – I mean, actually, they probably should have because – you if you go for two there it puts that out of reach right mm-hmm. and if you don't the giants probably kick field goal i guess you leave yourself vulnerable to the two-point attempt but like um not that that's like a really crucial part of this game but mm-hmm. i was just like this is you know i what i wrote and we may tinker with the title but it's something along the lines of like the vikings ruined the christmas christmas miracle like if this was a normal team in a normal year and this was their 11th you know victory without you know by one one score, you go, wait, Greg Joseph hit a 61-yard field goal. You know, like, it, it maybe overcame some early adversity. Even the mm-hmm. fact that the Giants had momentum. Like, the Giants tied it up and converted it to, you know. So, like, the Vikings have just screwed with, beyond the records they're setting, and we can get into some of that stuff. They've just screwed with, like, football. I, they've, like, broken football in the weirdest way possible. Right. Like, a 61-yard field goal, which is a franchise record. He's still <laughs> yes. a franchise record by five yards. Greg Joseph also sets a career re- long record by five yards. Cause I, I believe yeah. he matched the franchise record that feels like old hat because of what the Vikings have done time and time again, this year, you think about the Buffalo game, which I think all of us still agree, regardless of last week's comeback, the yeah. Buffalo game was a better game yeah. and it was a crazier game. And then obviously last week's comeback. And then we get to, to this game and, and you're right, Tom, like, any other season, I think people would be heading into Christmas Day tomorrow, riding a high of like, "Holy crap! Yep. Like, what a game! I can't believe they did it again. They, they did that." Uh, but now people are just saying, "Well, yeah, this of course that's how it happened." But to your point earlier, I mean, the, the one score game thing—that's now eleven and all in, in one score mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. I, I still don't know how sustainable it is, but yeah. Honestly, it, it might not matter at this point because here we are heading into week 17 next week against Green Bay and then week 18 yeah. and then the playoffs. And Kirk Cousins has said it uh, you know, a bunch of times this season. Harrison Smith has said it a bunch of times this season. Playoff games are inherently close. Yeah. So if, if they're getting battle-tested in these scenarios and regardless of how sustainable mm-hmm. it feels – like the playoffs are going to be close and the Vikings are going to be ready for that. Yeah. I mean, there's a few ways to look at it. First of all, you can tell like the NFC East teams that are kind of built with that front front four and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I have a little trouble with that. You know what I mean? And it's gotten mm-hmm. better. I mean, I think it'd be interesting if they play Washington the first time, like what that would look like here when they're not playing crabgrass and it's like, you know, they, they figure out some protection stuff, but um yeah, it's really hard to tell because they have a fourth place schedule. You know what I mean? So like, right. remember when we were going through it and you were like, Tom, they can't win 13 games, so we're going to have to figure out, you know. But, um, you know, one way I thought about it, because you can look at it positive negative, right? The negative is you're, like, playing down to the competition, essentially, in some of those games. Um, negatively, too, you could go, this Green Bay game matters from, like, an emotional standpoint. It just does, because, like, it can yes. come for a full circle. You, the 
Packers broke the Vikings last year. This time the Vikings can break the Packers by, by winning, but ideally, I guess, blowing them out, you know, but I'm looking now like the, um, you know, they're in the playoffs and you think about how Justin Jefferson, how the season ended last year, where meaningless game week 18 against the bears, Zimmer plays everybody doesn't really give Jefferson a chance to to, mm-hmm. to complete the record. And that was kind of the takeaway, right? Zimmer went out on his own terms. Jefferson kind of goes out being like, man, what the hell, you know? Right, and right. I think, um, you know, he was gracious about it, but he couldn't have been excited. This time I looked up on the Jumbotron because I think he was only like 10 yards away and it flashed real quick. It was like, hey, congrats to Justin Jefferson on breaking Randy Moss's record. This is another, this is like the weird world we live in, right? It's like, it's like everyone missed it because it was like in the middle of a play sequence and it was kind of, it was, I think it was like a 23 yard reception with like yep, yep. seven minutes ago or something. And like they did on the Jumbotron flash it to Jefferson in kind of, in kind of dull moments. And we're like, hey, he broke the record. Hey, he broke the record. But when this is like the paradigm shift, right? Is is now it's last year. It's man, that, that's a bummer. Zimmer's probably gone. Justin Jefferson don't leave, right? Now it's like, could he break Calvin Johnson's record? He beat uh, Moss's record with 15 games, right? So it's not you know it's not the caveat with with 17. And like, could he eclipse 2,000? That's still a little out of reach, but he could do it. Um, so something has changed dramatically, of course, but it's like we just don't know how dramatically that is because this team can't put anyone away. So I don't know. Things that are really abnormal are becoming normal because the Vikings are such a weird team. Absolutely. Tom, you were there today. I mean, you obviously referenced yeah. the, the conversation in, in the press box about like they should go for two here yeah, or yeah. should they not? No, they have to keep it a one score game. But like as you're watching that game unfold, like yeah. – uh, how did you digest it? Because I'm watching the game and I'm thinking like they're in control. They're in control. Holy shit, the game is tied. Like it's just yeah, like yeah, it yeah. never felt yeah. like they were in danger of losing, but it also never felt like the game was was completely put away because it never is with these guys. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I, you know I'm trying to think because like the Buffalo one was the biggest contrast, right? I was there and like when people watched it on TV, they were like dramatic game like you know whatever and i watched it and i was like man that's sloppy it looks like two teams that have a lot of bad football luck and one mm-hmm. of them just had to win um not take away from jefferson's catch or how they finished that game but it was just there was a huge contrast between what you saw on tv and, and what was here i think you probably got the tone right and anyone could kind of watch it on tv i mean i guess you know kind of looking at the scoring sequences i mean the giants kept it pretty close right it was 17 16 vikings go up with that touchdown where they could have gone for two and then the the giants tied it but it did it felt, especially because like Hawkinson was wide open on that first. Mm-hmm. This is the thing, like Hawkinson broke a franchise record, 13 receptions. He had over 100 yards. He's kind of establishing himself as a number two. Patrick Peterson in the post-game press conference referred to him as a receiver and had to correct himself being like, I know he's not a receiver, he's a tight end, but he's kind of a receiver. Um, you know, the way he scored on that one and then kind of the conversely when he basically just stole a double team ball, right? Mm-hmm. A way to, you know, like that stuff gets buried because of all this stuff, but also because of those efforts, like it did, it felt like they were in control until uh, the Giants tied it up late. Um, and I think it's in part because you're playing Daniel Jones. Like I, didn't, I had to look up that Hodges guy or whatever. He kept on going. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. that's like a sixth round pick who like, I think mid season came over from Buffalo, I think, or something like, you know, like really I kind of squint to look at some of the, you know, who are these players, you know, making plays on the giant side. Um, but I think, you know, the truth is that's actually a compliment to Kevin O'Connell. 
you know, I think there's been times when he's looked brilliant. You think about how, you know, they beat New England after this terrible um, game against Dallas. Um, you know, there's been a hand, I think he handled Washington late really well. Like there's just a handful of spots where, where he's looked pretty brilliant. But then there's also been some spots like, like look, the Detroit game in Detroit, he got out coached. Right. And so yes. this is one I actually thought maybe they'd look out coached like, like that the Giants could get ahead and they had to like save themselves late. This was more like it actually, and granted because I've been conditioned by this team, but like they felt in control to the end. Like even though the Giants had momentum in the back of my head, I was like, this could go to overtime. Anything, anything can happen then. Like I was like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they still pull this off because now we believe in Kirk Cousins with the right. two minute drill and stuff. So again, they're warping reality. Um, and uh, you know, again, that's why it's very hard to predict what this team could do. But um, I think that was a big one that people shouldn't forget is that I actually think Dayball is an incredible coach who is getting something out of nothing with this Giants roster. Yes. And I thought I thought O'Connell pretty in control this whole game. And, and so maybe that's the calluses they made all year. Maybe that's a first year coach, you know, growing, you know, throughout the season. Maybe it's the fact that like TJ Hawkinson just bails him out and Justin Jefferson <laughs> just bails him out, you know, but whatever it is, uh, it, it is funny that a game with this score, um, felt actually pretty in control for the Vikings throughout most of it. For sure. Before we cut to break, Tom, be honest. Mm-hmm. As Greg Joseph lines up for that 61-yard mm-hmm. field goal, one, describe what the scene was like inside yes. U.S. Bank Stadium. Was it a hushed tone? And two, did you think he was going to make it? Didn't seem as anxious as I thought it would. I mean, it was quiet, but again, you're like quiet for the kicker. I mm-hmm. think part of it is he has an excuse there. You know, remember, he is coming off a totally. game field goal. Um, uh, it, you know, again, it went to, it would have been a tie otherwise which holy shit if that uh the cold game ends like that you'd been like what <laughs> you know but like <laughs> but uh <laughs> but um he's been better recently i looked i think he missed an extra point against new england in week 12 and and he i think he last missed a field goal against arizona you have to go that far back um he's been a little more but i think maybe there's less anxiety because um because of the circumstance you could have gone into overtime there wasn't expectations I thought he'd be short you know that was what I was kind of looking for um that's not taking away from actually I think he has leg strength his issue is like he doesn't hit the part of the ball you're supposed to hit like he'll there was one I can't remember which game he got blocked by someone's helmet um and you're like I was like how the hell does that happen and and Matt Daniels is like yeah if you just hit the meat of the ball there's just not enough trajectory on it um this was one where like again I didn't I didn't look and it was like they're fine I was more it was more like I think the Vikings are fine because they've done enough in this game even though again it was one score like they probably should win in overtime um and it's just what they've done all year but yeah I think I think it wasn't as anxious because of the circumstances and if anything you know the Matt Daniels calls uh Greg Joseph uh, G money in some ways he's kind of playing with house money. I know you don't want to go into overtime with the variability, but like this isn't a do or die situation. You know, he, he made something out of nothing with six one yard kick. Absolutely. Uh, I did not think it was going to go in until <laughs> he kicked it. And I was watching on the television and I, it looked good right away. And, but I, I agree with you, Tom. I was like, if he's going to miss it, I think he's going to miss it short. Yeah. That thing just kept going and going and going. And I think the weird angle of watching it on television, like the way you knew it went through was because Brian O'Neill just started jumping up and down like crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you knew it went through then. And then obviously the, the call is made. He, he makes it. And then they pan in on Greg Joseph. Uh, just a really cool moment for him too. Because like you said, yeah, Minnesota's strained, re- strained relationship with kickers. Uh, people wanted him gone. 
because rightfully so like yeah, these, these extra points yes and then people are like this is going to cost the yeah. vikings in an important situation he could not make a 50-yard field goal to save his life but the, the you know the caveat the other side of the coin on that is like you're going to just go sign a kicker off the street who probably doesn't have a job right now because he's not that good. Yeah. Well, now Greg Joseph has completely flipped the narrative. Um, Game-winning kicks in back-to-back weeks. Franchise record 61-yard field goal. All of it happening on Christmas Eve. Like Tom said, the Vikings ruined a Christmas miracle. Yeah. More on this game when we come back. Um, There's a lot to unpack here. Um, We're just getting started here on Inside Purple and Gold. It's Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock Central Time. Vikings have won another game, another one-score game. They're eleven and zero. That's a record in in one-score game. They're twelve and three, still continuing to hold on to that number two seed in the NFC. All of it happening on the leg of Greg Joseph, the right leg of Greg Joseph, sixty-one mm-hmm. yard field goal as time expires. I just can't say enough about his comeback and and how he's looked this year. Um, and, and you got to feel good for that guy. Yeah, it was very funny. He didn't want to be carried off. You know what I mean? And like, you think that's like the moment for the kicker. I guess he's he's had it before. You know, he's been there, done that. But um, uh, I just thought it was very funny what the other players said about him. Like Justin Jefferson in passing was just like, yeah, great game. We got the dub. I, I set a record. Also, Greg Joseph set a record. <laughs> I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it's just very funny that he just, yeah, nonchalantly, like a lot of really crazy things happen and you guys want another, you know, um, one score game. Hawkinson, like the Hawkinson thing continues to be the funniest thing in the world. Like, A, I don't know why. I, I mean, I understand that Detroit didn't want to pay him, but it's very funny that Detroit just tempted fate and traded this really good player to the uh, to the Vikings within the division. Um you know, he, uh, you forget like how weird it, I think he played the first eight games with Detroit and, mm-hmm. um, he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm kind of getting to know guys. You know what I mean? And he's like, dude, Joseph, cool guy. <laughs> you know? like, that's, that's right. Like you weren't in the training camp with him. Like he is functionally just an unknown person. It's not like TJ Hawkinson has like much to do with the special teams. I don't think, but yeah, he's like, dude, he's just like a cool guy. Great teammate. You know, I kind of like hanging out with him. <laughs> I was like, you know, and I think luckily other players are kind of putting this in perspective. Like Brian O'Neill was saying, it's insane for a guy, you know, you talk, go back to the Washington game, uh, Hawkinson's first one, that he was that ready to go. He was saying he's run routes that he hasn't run in practice. Um, I think, and this is not to take away from Rager, I think he has his own situation, but like Rager is still, and we saw it in the, in the Colts game, having some issues because he wasn't in the training camp. And there's just some of it's reading mm-hmm. defense, some of it's just, you know, kind of, um, tendencies like like cousin has or, or other players on the offense, and the fact that Hawkinson has just like picked this up, the leverages and these kind of complex plays from a McVay offense, right? Um, we shouldn't forget like this is so important. Given I don't know what the fix is for W, you know, the receiver too. Like you can go in the draft because of the cost and, and because the trade teams would do that. You could bank on feeling that like his knee's been messed up and maybe he's still fine, but he's wrong side of thirty. I mean, like at some point he's gonna slow down and kind of enter a different role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people were talking about Osborne and I was like, I really like KJ Osborne. I think he is someone who sacrifices for the team steps up in clutch situations. He also just doesn't need the ball to make a play. Like he, you can go to him on third down randomly in the third quarter. He'll catch mm-hmm. the ball. Um, but I don't think he's the receiver too. Like in some ways, Hawkinson's probably that guy until someone else like beats him out for it. And so um, it's just, it's just such a massive development. I think we shouldn't take away from the fact that he's like, he's kind of shaking hands with the guys. It's, you know what I mean? Like he's yeah, only yeah. been here for a little bit. So there was, you know, there was that funny moment. And, uh, um, 
Yeah, and then, you know, we should also probably talk about the defensive side, like the fact that Peterson comes up with a big interception. And he said, there's a lot of weird stuff. I Like, I'm going to have to unpack some of this stuff, but Patrick Peterson claims he's become kind of clairvoyant this year. And Harrison <laughs> Smith has, like, has, like, has, um, uh, justified that or whatever. So like when Asamoah, who's really stepping up, this speedy linebacker, uh, comes up with a big play, their celebration, which you saw on TV, which was kind of botched, was actually supposed to be the um, World Cup um, penalty kick one. Mm-hmm. And Peterson, like, Peterson noticed that Daniel Jones kept going to his side. And I guess he told Harrison Smith, I'm going to get one here soon picks it off and then was like, yeah, I just want to do the celebration. And I was like, what a funny year that like this 30 something, you know, 32 or whatever, Peterson, who's been doubted says he's, mm-hmm. he's been kind of building momentum since the Cardinals game when he got to go play against his old team or whatever. He goes, I'm going to like giant mode or something like that. And like, he's kind of riding on vengeance or whatever, and also maybe sees the future. Um, and, uh, and, and that like his motivation to pick him off was, in addition to obviously a momentum changing play and, and just the importance of, of interceptions within a football game, he was like, I want to do the celebration that I set up. So th- this team, like the more you kind of learn about them and stuff, you're like, they're so ridiculous. We saw them go 500 for two years in a row. They like, there was a pretty good case that you should have just cleared the books and like gotten rid of some mm-hmm. of these older players. And yet they, the veteran leadership I think has mattered. And then like, again, I, I guess I am going to look into whether, Patrick Peterson can help other guys out with stocks or something. So um, it's just a, it's such a goofy, ridiculous team and, and like maybe fitting that Greg Joseph suddenly got good here late in the season, fitting that Hawkinson who wasn't with the team is making clutch plays and fitting that Patrick Peterson after 32 years of life realizes he can see into the future. Just to close the loop on, on Patrick Peterson real quick. You're right. Like that dude was doubted. Mm -hmm. I doubted him. I think I said on this podcast, like early on, like, the Vikings secondary needs help, and I was correct. It still does. It does uh, but yeah. I said Patrick Peterson is is by no means a number one cornerback anymore. That dude is over the hill. And I could not have been more wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Like, th- he has his limitations. Isaiah Hodges got into him a couple of times today. Mm-hmm. And, and he's not the lockdown corner that he once was in, his, in the peak of his prime. But that dude has extended his career, uh, I think, maybe two, three, four years with the way he's played this year because he's going to get another contract this year. He bet on himself. Um, he's He's been really, really good this year. And he's also just shown his leadership qualities and how important mm-hmm. that can be. And that's going to keep him around the league for a long time. Um, our producer, Spencer, is alerting me that I called the entire defense old. Um, <laughs> and I, I, t- I objectively, I'm right. Like, yes, they are yes. old. Um, but Patrick Peterson is, is playing – very, very well right now, out of his mind. Um, and and maybe it's because he can see in the future. Maybe it's because he sees his future could have been out of the league here if he didn't step up this year. Uh, but he's he's a guy who's, who's almost become a microcosm of, of the defense as a whole, of the team as a whole. Is like no one really believed the Vikings were making the right decision this year by running it back with basically the same team that's gone 500 two years in a row. Yeah. Um, and now here they are, 12 and three, um, kind of a vice grip on the number two seed in, in the NFC. Um, and, and with an outside, you know, outside chance of, of making a run here. So I, I don't know. I, I, I got to credit Patrick Peterson. He's proved me wrong. He's proved a lot of people wrong um, as the Vikings of a whole have. 
Yeah, no, and I think the leadership stuff does matter. He's very kind of measured and what it, mm-hmm. it's very funny that he's actually very measured and kind of comes off. I think he has two young daughters. He comes off a little like a dad, basically. For and sure. yet, like, is yelling at Cliff Kingsbury going after her, you know, Kyler <laughs> yeah. Murray, and now just like has an axe to grind with freaking Daniel Jones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's just uh but yeah, there's something about his personality. There is um, you know, whenever this season ends, we'll we'll talk about like kind of what the foundation they've laid. I mean, it's going to be really interesting that like teams that this is universal across sports for obvious reasons, like teams that just keep winning by one score tend to have some relapse at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but this team like experienced a huge relapse in the first quarter, first half against Indianapolis. Like I was convinced that was actually the narrative of that game of like, here's regression happening all at once. And then mm-hmm. they just like dug themselves out of a hole and they're like, we're fine. And, and um, and you know, the other thing is like, again, there's like a hundred things that like would matter except that like a hundred other unique things happen, but talk about the bounce back game. Like Hawkinson talked about this. He's like, yeah, people were, you know, this is the, they all kind of play in the media, but like people were concerned about like this bounce back game after this, uh, dramatic win, given that the Dallas game came after the Buffalo one. I think there's a few obvious differences. First, you mentioned it, the Buffalo game, when we, get away from it. Like the Buffalo game was way better than the Colts. The the Colts was Mm -hmm. the Vikings beat the Vikings. And then the Vikings just got out of the hole. They, you know, the the Buffalo one is Buffalo probably beat the Vikings and then they fumbled in their end zone somehow. And then like a hundred other weird things happened and the Vikings won, you know, and like that, that was just, it was a better game overall, better game win for the Vikings, better team, right. You know, you're talking Mm -hmm. about the Colts and the giants versus the bills and the Cowboys. Um, and uh, and having said that, this felt like a normal weird Vikings game, and like the Colts game was a weird weird Vikings game. <laughs> so yeah. so um, there's something about maybe I actually think you needed a game like this, not to, obviously the win, right? But like you needed a game like this before you go into Green Bay because I know we probably don't want to preview the whole Green Bay game here, but like the Packers actually I think are going to be all right. Again, I know we've said this on the show, but like I think if you change the defensive coordinator. Yes. Rodgers has the, you know, he he's kind of humming with these these two young receivers, and um, that like that game looked really different at the beginning of the year. Yep, looked like a nothing burger kind. Of, I mean, it's always going to matter because it's Lambo or whatever. But like, and the Packers, but looked kind of like as meaningless as a Packers game in Lambo could be at one point, and now looks like these are two teams setting a tone. And I just I think it's still important for the Vikings to to think about the foundation they're laying because that actually will be Patrick Peterson's legacy and Eric Kendrick's legacy and Harrison Smith and even Kirk Cousins at some point. Um, and I think there's still kind of the, as much as I'm not trying to be negative after win here, like there is still, if, if, if the Packers beat you and especially beat you in a humiliating way out in Lambeau, and then God knows what's going to happen in a Bears game um, and you lose in a playoff game, that is a very different foundation from, set the tone against the Packers mm-hmm. while the Packers look like they're kind of on the rise to the extent you can, given their season circumstances, um, you know, taking care of business in Chicago and winning in a first round. Like those are two very different trajectories. And again, because the the Vikings are like a plane that like gets where it needs to go, but you're like, yeah, you're violating every rule about how like an airplane operates. Like you're just too close to buildings, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or whatever, you know, like you're supposed to be up, like, you know, whatever. And like, you know, the, the FAA or whatever keeps calling you be like, ascend, ascend. And they're like, no, no, we're fine, dude. We're saving gas or whatever. I don't know how, how that works. But, but yeah, it's just like the team just keeps skimming right past the, the building. Like 
yeah, it could be like airplane the movie where everyone's sweating and there's no wheels on the plane when they land or whatever. Or they could just like graciously, you know, fly an MSP and everyone walks out and you're like, oh, home, we just buzz the IDS tower or whatever. <laughs> what a metaphor by Tom. Yeah, Tom Tom needs to get out of US Bank Stadium and, and go eat some Christmas food because that metaphor <laughs> went off the freaking rails in a hurry. <laughs> Um, when we come back, you know, we weren't going to, we're not going to preview too much of the green Bay game. I do want to say real quick, like green Bay has an outside chance of like the playoffs still, if they win tonight. So like, if you win next week, you can effectively end green Bay season yeah. too, which I yeah. think the Vikings would take a lot of pride in. We'll probably get more into that when the, in the preview episode, cause we'll know what, what happened with green Bay over the weekend. We haven't talked enough about Justin Jefferson. I don't think so. When we come back, um, we're going to kind of break that down. Then we're going to let Tom get out of U.S. Bank Stadium, um, eat, yeah. eat and, and and go enjoy some 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 time with the holiday so he doesn't have to just spend the entire Christmas Eve time in, in U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, yeah. More when we come back on Inside Purple and Gold. Justin Jefferson continues to be amazing, Tom. 133 yards today. Uh, he's at 1,756 on the season. He's 208 yards behind Calvin Johnson for the all-time single-season record for receiving yards in the season. Before we get into like how good Justin Jefferson is, do you think he breaks it? Just yes or no? Yes, I do think he breaks it. So Calvin Johnson's record. I'm curious. So so what? He needs 208 to to break it, right? 208 to break it, and then. 208 to tie, so I guess 209 to break yeah. it. Yeah. And then he's 244 from 2000, so he needs 245 yeah. yards. And I think it's interesting to put Calvin Johnson's record, because I think he broke it in 2012, mm-hmm. um, did it with the Lions, which we should yep. mention. I know it Matt Stafford, but <laughs> yep. still. Um, given justin jefferson whatever you think of cousins like he's a pretty good quarterback for a guy like that like he'll at the very least he allows justin jefferson to drive winning right and you think of all these circumstances he has going for him like better rules for receivers um an offensive savvy coach um with o'connell um you know the fact that that cousins trusts him i mean there was there was a play i'm trying to remember the exact sequence but where cousins got hurt and he just kind of winged it towards Jefferson and he, he knew that like a defender couldn't make a play on it basically. Um, and we're just seeing more and more of that given that he has all these circumstances, also playing in a dome and stuff like um, all these circumstances going for him. Like that's how good Calvin Johnson was. You know what yes. I mean? Like Calvin yes. Johnson would have to, you know, to break his own record or however you want to think of that, he'd have to have 209 in the last game. Um, fact is like cousins had 184 i think in week one i mean that was one of those where like any packer fan and we at zone coverage we have a packer vertical that i that i uh, edit and like all those guys were like wait isn't this defense supposed to be good and that was like it's week one they're like joe barry might not be the guy (laughs) but um you know they will defend him differently obviously um but i think this next game is super important in terms of there's you can go into the rivalry and the narrative and the fact that again like this is coming full circle that the Packers it's funny to think the Packers are a different team than this year's Vikings team but there is a bit of like the paper tiger quality to them I know it's like 13 straight or sorry three straight 13 win seasons leading into this year Um, but it was always like could they win in the playoffs like think of how similar that narrative is right to the Vikings Mm -hmm. and 
the Vikings not only had the opportunity to turn the tables on them, the Packers broke the Vikings and kind of put them out of their misery. The Vikings can do the same thing as the Packers hold on to a modicum of hope, but it's also probably the best opportunity just because as much as the bears aren't very good, I do worry about it's soldier field. It's this time of year. It's just yep. like the, the bears love to just like drag you into the mud. Right. It's like, they kind of treat their stadium as like quicksand and they're just trying to suffocate you. Right. And like, that's a very tough game. If you need a certain chunk yardage to break Calvin Johnson or break 2000, depending on where and what mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson does in this final game. Um, Lambo is not an easy place to play. Um, but it's like depending on the result in Miami, or you know the the Packers are in Miami this weekend. Like depending on that result, and just with how the season's gone, like having talked to people there and stuff, right? We have some writers in Green Bay, I have some family there. They're like, it's the Lambo Mystique isn't quite what it was because just because of the conditions of this season. Like mm-hmm. I think that's your opportunity, um, given how bad the Joe Barry defense has been, to really rack up yardage. I'd love to see Justin Jefferson break that break the Calvin Johnson record in 16 weeks just because it does it just like with Moss it matters that he did it within 15 um but also because it just gives him that opportunity to go to 2000 and there's something like you just want to see ridiculous stuff happen as much as the Vikings have given us a heap of that like the number one thing you want to see is like just how great Justin Jefferson can be um given you know his age how dependent the franchise is on him and just because like he does ridiculous stuff he goes back to the Buffalo catch or whatever so um I just think this one's so, so huge, this this Packer game for the Vikings in general, but for uh, Justin Jefferson specifically. For sure. Like if the Packers go out and, and somehow, I don't think they will, but if they somehow hold him to, let's just say 50 yards, mm-hmm. that screws everything up. And, yeah. and then and then you take him, you know, you go into week 18 in Soldier Field, like you said, weird playing surface, bad playing surface. Vikings yeah. don't always play well in Soldier Field. Rarely do, actually. Always a weird game when you go to Chicago, especially late in the season. Game might not even mean anything. Like, if the Vikings take care of business next week or, you know, say the, the, the 49ers lose, like, then that's a truly a meaningless game. Like, then do you even play Justin Jefferson at that point yeah. in, in a weird playing service? So, yeah, like, it, it's a big game as a whole. Like, you know, on a team to team level next week against green Bay rivalry. Like I said, mm-hmm. Vikings can knock the, you know, effectively end the Packers season. Mm-hmm. Assuming the Packers win this week, they can end the Packers season next week. I agree with you. Like if Justin Jefferson could just get two Oh nine next week, that sounds like such a, like, yeah, yeah, to, your point, to, to your point about breaking football earlier. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I say like if he can just get two oh nine, and I don't even think it sounds like that crazy. Like because because yeah, just so to be clear, two oh nine would be his second best total. He had two twenty three against Detroit, yes. but uh, but yeah, so it's still it's very funny that we, you can kind of say that with him. Yeah, yeah. So it, just to kind of avoid the future of like, well, Calvin Johnson did it in one last game. Justin Jefferson technically has his record, but like it should it count? Like we're gonna get into all of that for sure. Like if 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 it takes Justin Jefferson two more games to, to pass Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. I also think, and then maybe this kind of closes the loop on the whole day. Like I think it's funny. And I, I think my colleague, Chris Thomason tweeted something to this effect early in the day. Like last year at, like you were talking about Tom, just like the different tenor of the season heading into week 17, 18 mm-hmm. last year, the Vikings meaningless game in 18 playing Chicago, Zimmer's on the outs. Everything is falling apart. He doesn't give Justin Jefferson a chance to break the record, even mm-hmm. though it was literally the only thing worth watching 
in, in, mm-hmm. in week 18 from a Vikings perspective. And I think Justin Jefferson said something along the lines of like, that's okay. I'll just break it next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he did. So, you know, maybe there is a world in which he, he doesn't break Calvin Johnson's record in 16 games, but he has the opportunity to do it moving forward. That guy is so good. I know we talk about it every week. It's become a bit on, you know, like Thursday. I just do like player prop bets and I just always pick Justin Jefferson. I always pick yeah. him to go over. Yeah. And I think I've been right more often than I haven't this year. Like he's so good. And, and it's just been really, really fun to watch and cover that guy. And, you know, it, it's just a special player that we get to watch and cover every week. Yeah. And I think like, how could he get better? I mean, part of it is like, he's not technically in his prime, you know, he's probably, mm-hmm. you know, next level is always interesting with a guy who's accomplished that much but right, right, right. um but i think it's more like the offense you know as much as like we've seen glimmers of this kind of mcveigh scheme this this high-powered offense it, it very obviously like has not been full-fledged like like there's another level they can get to i always thought it was interesting going back to like i remember asking west phillips going into week one are you excited to see the offense like with the full firepower, right? You've been using vanilla schemes in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Remember he kind of pumped the brakes and it's a little bit him. He's kind of wry and, and maybe a little cynical, right? But like, it's also like they maybe knew a little bit like, hey, mm-hmm. this isn't like, this isn't kind of the full McVay thing yet. Um, but, you know, that's the other thing is I know he has Hawkinson, like as much as people are down on Thielen, it's more Thielen set a standard and, and he's just not quite there. Like he's still an impact player. Osborne mm-hmm. is in his own way. Um, I mean, you could even go into like the Johnny Munt occasionally makes a play or whatever. But like, right. if you if you have like Hawkinson, Jefferson, and like a young receiver who's looking like a receiver too, like that is just going to open things up. Jeff, Justin Jefferson makes something out of nothing often. We 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 know the plays like the um, the one in Buffalo or whatever. But like, there's times where like you don't even, you're not even certain he really has leverage. You know what I mean? And he just kind of like snags the ball away from someone else or whatever. And so, um, you know, I just wonder if if um, I mean, I think that's a fair point. You know, the other the other concern I have is like, you know, Connor called this out. We talked about this last week. Is just the hits he's taken. I, he's perfectly able to take a a big hit. We know that, right? He pops up and does the first down thing right away. Mm-hmm. But just like your shoulders, your knees, your head can only take so much. And you think of like a guy like Gronk was great. Obviously, very different field, literally different position. But like guys kept hitting his knees and you're like, well, his career is just not going to be as long as it should be because, right. because of that. Right. So like, you know, there's some of that stuff you have to look out for, but in general, like as we talk about the foundation, I mean, Justin Jefferson is a big part of that. And we have to remember like, just because we maybe don't see everything we want to see this year, doesn't mean he can't come back and do it next year. Don't take it for granted, you know, whatever. But, um, but he is, I mean, he's just a unique guy in that he's that gifted and also is very willing to defer. He literally when talking about his record, he's like, First of all, he was like, yeah, it's pretty difficult to be in the Randy Moss conversation. Like, let's not, you know, let's not pretend that that's not true. But also he's talking about O-line does its job, you know, quarterback yeah. does its job in passing almost, you know, references Greg Joseph. So, um, yeah, he just, he's a foundational player and, and and it's crazy to think like he's setting this weird standard that like no one else could set. He's setting this new standard and that no one else can set, as Tom said, to, to you know, lead off the show the vikings are setting a new standard that no one else can I don't know set. what they're doing yeah 27 24 victory on christmas eve the vikings are 12 and 3 now when we come back on tuesday we'll break it all down um, as we always do let's get tom the heck out of u.s bank stadium though so we're signing off for tom schreier i'm dane mizutani everyone have a good christmas we'll talk to you next week
2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.